What's up, everyone? This is Go Along with Dunn and Monus. Back live from a, two ends of the country here, Jim. Uh, I'm here at 49 Coffee in beautiful Springville, New York. Thank you to the, the great folks here. This is kind of a, a home away from home. Get a lot of writing done here. And you're out in Vegas. I'm in Vegas. Your setup looks, your setup looks like Vegas. That looks nice. Cheers. Yeah, we're both drinking coffee. I'm in Vegas. Um, yeah, they have a, great just about Vegas, this Tyler. up in the back. You know, you, we had some travel, so we're getting the pot, you know, we're getting to talk about the NFL a little bit later than we usually do. Um, do to work, do some work things, but what's better than waking up, talking football? I had, I'm in the, you know, great hotel here in Vegas, had to walk downstairs, get a couple hands of blackjack in, a cup of coffee. Now we got the go long breakdown. I was going to say it's, what, 4.48 a.m. out there? So you snuck in a few hands of a blackjack that well, got the table you know, working that early? You know, I Late, can't do early? this every, I guess it doesn't matter. We can't do this every day, right? Our lives aren't like yeah. this, so. Absolutely. Well, we should uh, note Fatty, Fatty Beer Fatty. Company fueling us up. We're going to be there. Well, I'll be there later in the week. We've got a very special guest. Hopefully your XFL schedule allows it. We're not sure yet if you'll be joining, right? Yeah, we'll see if we can sneak one in. I need to I need to get some questions to this guest. Eric Wood. Eric yes. Wood making his triumphant return to the Go Along Pod. So he's got a one new book favorites. out. And obviously Eric always has thoughts on the Buffalo Bills and relives some of uh, the, the I was gonna say glory days. I don't think they're glory days for Eric Wood. They're days for sure. There yeah, were days had. That that would be great if you phrased it that way, just to see what his reaction would be. <laughs> Eric, tell us about your glory days in Buffalo. He'll be like, "What? Like, what, what years? What years were those, Tyler?" What those he always jokes that, like, you know, when he he retired and he he ran into Josh Allen, I think at a, some golf event, he knew he was going to be special, and it was just like, "You son of a bitch! Why right. why do I have to retire right now with this damn injury?" When we've got this quarterback coming to town, Finally. good times are around the corner, right? It um, is. That'll be fun. Eric always brings the good. So, and right now the Buffalo Bills are in a, you know, precarious state to put it mildly. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. This What's is... going on here? This has been two and a half games of just, yeah, troubling football for for the hometown team, and and now they're six and three. They're not in first place. In the division, let alone the conference, I think a lot of people here locally are wondering what the hell happened. You know, more specifically, what the hell is happening after halftime, right? That's the crazy part because this team has been good in the first half for years now. And that's a trend that I always pay attention to. And it's a good sign of a team that's just prepared. They're the better team. Usually they come out, dominate. They dictate the game. That's what I think the Bills usually do. And they're still doing it. And then the second halves just don't look right. I, there, there's a lot to dive into. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with Josh Allen? Absolutely have to start with Josh Allen because, yeah. you know, on a Super Bowl favorite, he's the MVP front yeah. runner. I agree. He is this, this um, you know, intergalactic, you know, maybe the best physical specimen the position has ever seen. I mean, that's what Jordan Palmer believes as, as private quarterbacks coach. He, he knows him better than anybody D- doing whatever he wants out there. Yet for, for whatever reason, he is showing those traits still. I mean, even up to that numbing interception in overtime, I mean, he had the two runs to get him down there. So you see it. 
it's mental right now. There's there, there's something. I don't I don't want to hear about the elbow. The problem for him is between the ears. There's something going on mentally with Josh Allen where, you know, from the quarterback center exchange that even made this a game to the two interceptions that sandwiched that turnover, it, what's going on? I, we don't know. I mean, we had the Isaiah McKenzie uh, last night at Misters, and we'll have that podcast episode up too. I, I think Isaiah is somebody who has gone through his own mental struggles, and he's been really open about it. So he can relate to that aspect of the game where there's something going on with Josh Allen that only Josh Allen really knows right now. I feel like we, we can try to figure it out on the outside looking in and we'll, we'll give it a shot here, but I feel like he is what he is. He, he still is this uber talented quarterback that's unlike anybody in, in the league. But if you're just going to give the ball to the other team late in games, none of that other stuff matters. It really doesn't. It's, it's almost the first time where he's been. So he's been spoiling the Bills organization fans for these last, you know, three years, really, of just he's been putting the team, you know, he's the reason why they win. He's the reason why they win. All of a sudden, this is the first time I would say, okay, there's a little blemish on Josh now. Like this, this is the first time where he's probably feeling it. And we talk about this every week about the long season. He's not the only one going through this in the NFL right now. There's a lot of guys. You, you, you heard Derek Carr's interview the other day with the Raiders, and, and just the the deflating the deflating pressure that the quarterbacks feel to win, and they, they take it personally because they know they, they it's they always get too much credit, they always get too much blame. But on this run right now, Josh knows he needs to. The good thing is, I think it's fixable for Josh. I mean, I not think I know. He'll, he'll battle through this. It's on him right now to battle through whatever he is, whatever is, whatever it is he's not seeing or not trusting with his eyes on the football. He's not seeing things. And that's, that's, that's all there is to it. And I think what the interesting thing is, this is what you and I talked about his first year or two, you know, that right. we were noticing with him a little bit where, wow, he doesn't see things. He's taking chances. You can't make those types of mistakes. He got rid of those. All of a sudden, they're back a little bit. And I think that might just be the nature of the position, too. It's hard. It's such a long season. You're going to have you're going to have these. <laughs> Eric Wood will be a good guy to talk to about this, too, as far as what do you do this part of the year? It's mid mid season. You know, your you know, your playoff quality team, but you still have to get there. You still have to win, you know, the 10, 11 games to get in because it's crazy, Tyler, to look at the playoffs picture right now. It is. He's the reason that we've all been talking about the Buffalo Bills like we've been talking about the Buffalo Bills as this Super Bowl contender for the last three, four years. So I agree with the big picture. He's covered up probably a lot of issues that we don't even see. I mean, he makes Sean McDermott look like a better coach. He makes Brandon Bean look like a better GM. He makes the running game look better. He makes Stephon Diggs. And Diggs makes Allen. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's symbiotic there. Um but he, he does cover up a lot of mistakes. He does accentuate the talents of everybody around him. Yet that position is such where if, if you are in a funk like he's in right now, and I guess you'd rather this funk strike in mid-November than right. January. So no that's probably the silver line in here is whatever he has to work through, he's working through it now. Um, but at the same time, there's he's. I think the mistakes are just so odd where he's uh, throwing it directly to the other team three games in a row. I mean, these aren't like interceptions where he's trying to thread a needle 
and it's just a great play by the defender. It is, what in the F are you looking at? It's strange. It's really strange. And I think yeah. that's kind of what blows people's minds right now is, you know, it, like the last interception, okay, part of me gets it where he's like trying to make a play, but you shouldn't be trying to make a play there. Like that's Brett Favre, right? We, we grew up on Brett Favre. How it's... many times late in games did you just see Favre just try to gun it across his body or gun it down? I mean, in that situation, he should have waited a split second and just dropped it off to Devin Singletary leaking out. There's nothing around Devin Singletary. Maybe he gains 10, 15 yards. Maybe you go in for the score. You, at the very worst, you're getting a field goal and a tie. I mean, that is the absolute last thing that needs to happen there. But the pick before that to Patrick Peterson, the first one to Patrick Peterson, was just like the pick we saw against the Jets, which was just like a pick we saw against the Packers where it's like he's seen a different game. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, you've been around this game a long time. Have you ever seen a quarterback that talented make those kind of throws? I think it's a matter of he's not trusting what he's seeing right now because he's proven he's proven that he is a good decision maker. And right now, this to me screams he's feeling he's pressing like he wants to win. He wants he I have to make this throw. We have to score. I have to make this. And that's to me is when you something slides where um, it was last game. I think that one in the flat, it looked like he threw it right to the defender. Uh, he was trying to hit Dawson Knox a little dump off in the flat against uh, Green Bay, I believe. And it looked like he threw it right to linebacker, right? Hit him right in stride. If you watch the play, it was a really simple mistake. He thought Dawson was going to be wide open. Dawson let the, you know, he, he holds up the defensive end, lets him go, slips out in the flat. All Josh saw was he saw Dawson release him. He sees the end come in his face. So he just, boom, looks over. Dawson's got to be open because, you know, the guy that was on so he didn't see the linebacker from midfield buzzing all the way across the field. The linebacker was buzzing all the way across. He would have never seen it. He, his eyes went right to Dawson because he saw him release the guy, the end. Thought he had an easy dump off flat route. Linebacker was buzzing. He never saw it. Tough play. I don't want to crush him on that. But I'm just saying those are the types of things that get into your head then. Because now he's not, wow, I never saw that guy. Because he didn't. And as a quarterback, and you played it too, anybody that played quarterback, when you throw a pick and you're like, damn, I never saw that guy. We all done it. It gets yeah, to you. A class, bit. class D, I'll give you the Eagles. You know, right. I, I won't make that comparison. I'll let you do it. But well, no, I'm just talking about in general, if you play court, we've all thrown an interception, whether it's you just playing football, yeah. whatever, you, where you're like, man, I never saw that guy. And you're just like, hmm, it, it, it makes you try, you know, question yourself every play then. That's but probably anyway. what's most damning is he's Josh Allen's making the mistakes that Tyler Dunn might have made back uh, in section well, six class D where I'm like, I know I've thrown it directly to like the other team. <laughs> everybody, I've, hey, I've done it. We've all done it. Like, man, I never saw that guy. And it's humbling and it, it's hard yeah. to look the other guys. But you know what, Tyler, the other thing, he there's a lot on Josh Allen right now with the, the absence of Mike, that secondary absence, Trey White, Poyer, and Hyde. That is a that's a core leadership group for this team. And when they're not on the field, no matter what, if you're not on the field, it's hard to be a leader. And they need those guys. Jordan they're Poirier need- probably made a few million bucks the other day, huh? He may have made wow. a little bit of money. It's regardless, it, it, he's feeling a lot. It's probably a lot because you don't have other guys that can say, hey, don't, Josh will figure this out. Let's, let's do this on defense. Let's get this right on defense right now. But they're going to battle. It's a long season. I'm not panicking yet. Because here it is. 
we're, you know, we're making the division looks crazy right now. You know, it's the jets are coming on, the dolphins are coming on, but remember it's a long season for everybody. And Miami's going to go through some tough things. The jets are about to go through some tough things. It's just, this is the time of year. It's when do you go through it? How do you come out of it? Where's yeah. your health? But just keep paying attention to the health of every team. I think that's, what's going to separate. Cause I do think this bills team, but every team's hurt, trying. Jim. Like I, I hate using injuries every as team, an excuse. No, I'm with you. Right. I'm saying no, the, Vi- the Vikings are down. Like, they're cornerback. They they got a third, fourth stringer, and they're Duke Shelley. You know, no punching the ball out of Dawson Knox late in the game. So I I get it. Like the Bills are hurt in the yeah. secondary, and Justin Jefferson went for 198, whatever he finished with. No, that had nothing but to do right. I don't know. I I, I no. really have a hard time. I'm not going to blame the defense outright. No, as I'm not they lost because of the injuries. But I have a hard time just writing this off as oh, and like that's where it does get tricky. No, and I'm talking more about the leadership part of it, not the not the just for the Bills. Yeah. I, I I agree with you. I never would use that because to me, if you're, it's no every team's banged up. But I'm for the Bills. Like that's going to separate them. That's where Josh doesn't have somebody right now to help him. I feel like because I see he, what you he's mean. In yeah. On offense. yeah. That's all. This is the you know leadership. Who, you know who he misses? You know who Josh Allen really misses and the Buffalo Bills really miss? And this is going to piss off a lot of people. Cole Beasley. Like peak Cole Beasley. I, I get it. He By the yeah. end, he couldn't he, he couldn't really run. He couldn't get much yak at all. He, he got old. I'm just saying when, when Cole Beasley was at his best, 2020 especially, when he's the best slot receiver in the game, I don't think it's a coincidence that Josh Allen was at his best where he could – trust what he sees. He did know where Cole Beasley was going to be. That that presence in the slot, that that player, I think that, that makes a very good quarterback elite. And I think we thought Isaiah McKenzie could be that player. I mean, training camp, he dominated. I get it. He had some ball handling issues against Kansas City, and he was really open about it on the podcast this week. If people haven't heard it yet. Um, but I think if you trust Isaiah McKenzie and Hey, I think he's in a good spot with his hands. That was a wintry mix there at Highmark Stadium against Minnesota. And he handled everything really well. He made some tough catches. I I think you can trust Isaiah McKenzie. I just think it's a matter of going to him in those spots that you went to Cole Beasley. Because if you have that slot receiver, it opens up so much in this passing game. I mean, Cole Cole Beasley was unbelievable at his peak. And they they need that player because outside of Stephon Diggs, who is he really trusting right now? Gabe Davis has been so up and down. He I, I, he was unbelievable against Pittsburgh. Outside of that game, he, it's been a mixed bag. Dawson Knox at tight end. It's he, you love it when he is catching game winners against the Chiefs, but you probably want him to box out Duke Shelley and make that play some way somehow. Um, I don't know. I, I get it. This is an Isaiah friendly production. <laughs> <laughs> but Isaiah could be that guy. I mean, he, he could be that guy on the field. He could be that guy off the field where he's been through mental shit that he had to work through. And whether it's Denver giving up on him right out of the shoot when he can't hold on to the ball um, to Buffalo last year, basically made out to be the scapegoat after you get run over by Jonathan Taylor and the Colts and he's an inactive an, an and he's banished and he thinks his career might be over. Works through that. Heard has the big game against New England at New England mm-hmm. to this year. There's been some ups and downs. I, maybe offensively it comes down to Isaiah McKenzie. 
you know, X's and O's off the field in the locker room. They need something on offense. They really do because they're in a rut. I heard a great, well, and and we'll get into the head coach here in a second. Um, Cause I do think, I, I, I do believe that coaching matters, especially when you have leads in games. I, I have a tough, I always feel like that's a bad sign when you're blowing second half leads and this is happening now a little bit and it, the coaches don't play the game. So you can't blame, but they also can always say, can you stop the bleeding? Like you always can see that second half, like where, where it's going to go, where it's getting a little crazy. Momentum might be switching, but how about that game though? Real quick. I don't want to take credit for this comment, but I was listening to a, a show. I listened another show I listened to, but they were talking about, here's one of the greatest, like that game was insane with the, Diggs' catch, Jefferson's, all the athletic plays. Diggs' drop, out. too. Diggs' drop. Now, good Big one drop. that people aren't talking about. And a game comes down to two quarterback sneaks, and neither team – and nobody can do it. <laughs> nobody knows how – all these athletic plays, and, and we can't do it, and we can't get a quarterback yeah. sneak. Can't even get the snap. Either Isn't team. that amazing? Vikings, too. That's such a great point, Jim. I, I definitely want to get into the head coach as well. But let's yeah. talk about the quarterback sneak. You know – I. God, I hate talking about high school football. I back in the no, day, I, 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 I loved running a quarterback sneak. Right, the pig pile we call it, where you just had a great center. He was my best friend in high school. I mean, that was if <laughs> we wanted to set the tone, it was pig pile against Randolph. Let's just get four or five yards and just beat the hell out of these guys. And it's funny, yet that's part of Tom Brady's greatness. He, I mean, he always his, been good. At his that. quarterback sneak is. All time. He's an all timer when it comes to a play that seems so simple, right? Just get the ball from the center, move forward. And, you know, as an offensive line, just basically tilt the defensive line downhill. Um, but it's not that he makes it look easy, but it's not Aaron Rodgers never runs quarterback sneaks. Never. He doesn't. He refuses to. Um, does a lot of things well, and hey, he had a hell of a game against Dallas, and they had a, a great formula, so we don't need to go down that road. But I'm just saying, here's a, here's a Hall of Fame quarterback and Tom Brady who, lo- who, who has managed to figure out the quarterback sneak and just get every fourth and one that you can imagine, and here's a Hall of Fame quarterback in Aaron Rodgers who doesn't, and then here's NFL Sunday where Kirk Cousins can't get in from the inch line, Josh Allen can't. Get get the ball from Mitch Morse and Harrison Phillips. What a play by him to just torpedo it down was. the middle and get everybody caving backwards. So then Eric Hendricks is falling the ball. It's um, it's a play we take for granted. That I wonder how much teams really practice it because there's less and less contact. You're, how many teams are actually going to practice a quarterback sneak in training camp? Nobody, right? Nobody wants to put their quarterbacks in harm's way. But no. it is something that you do need in these situations. Like the game was just decided by two quarterback sneaks. But you're not going to practice it. No. Maybe you should. I, I don't know. No. How, I always how, wonder. How like, do Brady. you get ready for that situation? Brady grew up under center more, you know, I hate to say like, think about his age, but when great, when Brady was coming up in football, he played under center. These guys don't play under center anymore. So it's hard. Of it. it is hard. Like a guy like Josh, I don't know how much Josh Allen's ever played under center. So when you get, I think that it amps up when you're on that goal line too, when you know, you, when you start thinking you have to just get the snap, just get the snap. Damn. But if you've got a badass center and you need yeah. three and a half inches 
of course you should do a quarterback sneak because you don't even want to take a step backward to hand the ball yeah. to the running it's, back. You're just it's the right man, call. It's, it's, it's a weapon. Not, it's it's I'm such that's not what an underrated element to the Patriots' greatness for two decades. It's like a quarterback sneak. Now it's like with Cam Newton or like Justin Fields. You just the quarterback sneak for them is a direct shotgun and just get it and run. Start running straight ahead as the ball's in the air and use your. But point being, you put Fields. Can you imagine trying to stop Justin Fields on a quarterback sneak? Really, like that you're not doing it. Josh Allen's the same way. There's no way you're stopping Josh Allen on a quarterback sneak. It takes a fluke fumble. So in the morning after column, I kind of went Vikings-centric with the written word because I knew we'd go Bill-centric here on the podcast. And I, yeah. I think the Minnesota Vikings are you, you've been, Super Bowl you're contenders. Yep. Felt that way for a while. But here's here's what I wrote, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Jim, because you've, you've been around many coaches. You hired this coach. Um, you've, you've been around a few. So I said, we can certainly assign a healthy amount of blame to the head coach. Sean McDermott has developed quite a knack for losing close games. And if Bill Belichick is the king of eliminating the opposition's best player, well, McDermott was the polar opposite on Sunday. He had zero answers for Jefferson. So I I think that this game is is on Allen more than anybody because he is your best player. He's the MVP candidate, and he had just three crushing turnovers. Uh, But – on the flip side, for a long time, he has covered for his head coach, and the head coach is not blameless in this game where, yeah, you're banged up in the secondary, but, you know, so are the Vikings. They're down to Duke Shelley at corner. Uh, and you, Justin Jefferson just did whatever he wanted to against your secondary, which is your specialty. He's coached up those corners, you know, game in and game out, and zero answers for Jefferson, zero answers for – just crunch time situational football where the game is won. You get the goal line stop. Um, I somehow, some way just own that situation. I, I, it's, it's on Allen for not to take this center exchange, but I don't know. Is any of that on coaching? Should they have done something else there? No, I don't think, I feel like that. No, no. I think we'd have to dissect the game more for some coaching, maybe questioning. Right. So not that one. I, that I know because on the broadcast they're like, "Well, should, do you do you take a safety?" I don't. I think heard so. that too. I think, I, I think I, he did the right thing there. I do too. I just, I mean, get the snap. We're not even, uh, you know. If I, he gets yeah. the snap and he falls forward. It's game over. Game over. So I have a tough um, time with that one. But the, the, but I'm I'll, with you. Like the field goal stuff. Now, some of those decisions we can those can be talked about. Sure. The fourth and two when you're up twenty seven seventeen. Yeah. Uh, fourth quarter. Do you do you kick the field goal there? or You go for it. I feel like I feel like you have to stay consistent a little bit on how you've been calling games, and that's what your team. I think the Bills expect to go for those now. I feel like they've done that. I feel like Sean's established that as a head coach, where they have become they've become aggressive. I feel like I thought we were we were always questioning would Sean, you know, can he be aggressive and go for it, and you know the whole trend. And I, there's that fine line between going for it and being smart. Yeah, but the Bills are. I, I agree. Mean, I, he, so he, he, and I, I, I'm with you. That's why I'm kind of going through these where I, I think he deserves some blame for losing another close game. It's just a matter of figuring out, okay, yeah, where, I'm not, where, yeah. where did he go wrong? So like, I, I can't think he, sit there and say that's the, you should have done like, no, that's, 
No, because we'd be killing him if he if he kicked that, it, right? I mean, be I aggressive. And he's, he's right. He said he wanted to be aggressive. I trust yep. our quarterback. I trust our I players. So, two seconds left <laughs> from the Vikings 11. They they are, I get it. Kick the field goal, get to overtime, reset, take a deep breath. This game is batshit crazy. I But if you if if you're going to be consistent and do you go I mean, should he have gone for it there? Oh. <laughs> That's I was texting my college roommate like he's a he's a big Eagles fan and he's always on these coaches across the league for not being aggressive. Uh, J- Jimmy Paul, great dude, listener of the podcast. Where's and where's he from? Inst- where's he from? From like he's uh, Bethesda, Eagles. Maryland, and he's an Eagles fan. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, well, you know what? It's crazy. We met in college. Uh, history class, Syracuse. It was funny. We still laugh about it. Like day one, Johnny Flynn. Rick Jackson, like all these Syracuse players were in our class. Yeah, I remember Flynn. And then yeah. the, the, the next day we just see every, all those basketball players just get up and leave and they weren't there the rest of the semester. And we're thinking, did they get a grade or did, did they drop that class or did they manage to get a grade? They did just fine. <laughs> oh my God. That was, that was a fun lecture. But anyways, <laughs> like he's, he's really smart when it comes to NFL coaches and he is adamant. He thinks, okay, they, he should have gone for it there. And I didn't really think about it, but Hey, if you're going to be consistent, if you're going to be aggressive, maybe you do, maybe that's a spot. Maybe that's a reason you, you can't win close games. I, I, but then again, I probably still think you kick, you get to overtime, but there is a reason that this team just falls short late in games, fourth and 18, the Justin Jefferson play, I mean, Cam Lewis, was it, is it all on Cam Lewis or is it on some of these coaches? Like, let these guys know in that situation, knock it down, knock it down. An interception does you nothing. Maybe. So I guess it's kind of like a combination of all these little moments, all of these little plays. For some reason, they get late into the fourth quarter overtime and more often than not, they lose that game. Would yeah. that concern you? No, I I feel like we're nitpicking, right? I was just thinking about this, how we just went through so many. I felt like those every scenario we just went through, we were nitpicking. Like, that was an insane athleticism, both players, Jefferson and Lewis. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like if he does nothing, if Lewis does nothing, I think that's an incompletion. I think he's the reason it was completed. He helped him. He helped, he helped him. it because I don't think he's that regardless. It's just, look what we're talking about. We're talking about the, these plays are insane. I mean, also so, it's like, I mean, fourth and 18, where's Kirk Cousins? He's obviously, he's going to just about, force it to Justin Jefferson. So we can put three, four guys on him, put, put four guys on him, do something, do whatever you can. I know it's nitpicking, but it is. But when you say put three or spot. four guys on, right. Okay. Put three or four guys on him. Now, that's okay, not three, right. three, maybe not four, three, put three on them. Triple cover. You see what I'm saying? Like it gets, it gets hard. I mean, the coverage was good. The call is was Kirk, good. Is Kirk Cousins really going to throw to Thielen or Osborne or Hawkinson? And he, no, I think that's predetermined. I am like, screw it. Justin Jefferson's down there somewhere kind of play. <laughs> if that's the case, you just go up, press them. Just, just go ahead and just press them. Have somebody right over top and just eliminate them from the snap. But the, uh, that other throw Cousins made, with the, he just dropped it right. I mean, perfect 
throw. I mean, those yeah. throws are like you. Can't, it's crazy how the game is. How football. Kirk Cousins was incredible. He was he incredible. Was. He was. I mean, t- I mean, the run, the fifteen-yard run to I get him like down there, be- that drive before laying out. I- I feel like the Viking, like Vikings fans, because you're tied in a little bit with that whole nation now. I mean, do they believe in him? Yeah. Like, do they believe in Cousins? Yeah. It's. I think so. I think so. I think that. I mean, that's the thing. Like we sit here and we're Even like, it, you know, we're nitpicking the Bills. Like, are the Vikings like? It's. I always think about that. Is he good enough to? Is he good enough to get to the Super Bowl? He is in the NFC. Look at the NFC. Look at no. He is the entire NFC. conference. I really don't think I mean, the, the Vikings the Eagles would even, just lost to the Commanders. Like I don't think the Vikings would I don't think they would even have a chance in the AFC with this with Cousins. I think it's that really? big of a gap. Yeah, I do. No, I've done a 180 on Cousins. I'm all in. No, put that I ice like around cousins. his neck. Pop the I top. Like, pump a fist. I like Cousins. I like I, Cousins. I just I have so much respect for these AFC quarterbacks right now. Well, you know what? Here's where Cousins has an issue. I'm really disappointed in Cousins that after they won their prior game and he's on the plane and he's taking the shirt off and, you know, I I was really hoping he'd ramp it up a notch. And he said that he's passing the mantle to somewhere else, someone else, Patrick Peterson. He had the chain on the plane. I mean, I was a little scared for what would happen. I mean, what's the next step for Kirk, for Kirk Cousins? Like Like, where can you go from that? (laughs) Right. Did you just take your pants off? Like what's next? I, I was a little worried, but I was intrigued. I think we all were intrigued. Uh, smart moment yeah. by him smart moment let it go like you're not going to recreate that you can't recreate it you can't make it better you can't you know you did it not pass it on because i saw heineke for uh, washington was doing it last night everybody was giving yeah. him all the yeah i like it hey have fun on the plane and and back to mcdermott you're right yeah. when you really parse it play to play you, it's hard to pin this game on him. That's why I come back to the that. quarterback. I'm just saying it's no coincidence that they find themselves in these close games, and more often than not, they lose these close games. It's some type of discipline just goes awry where, you know, you're getting beat on fourth and 18, and, you know, you you lose it at your own goal line. And I feel like it adds up to a point where, my God, you're up 27 to 10. I mean, the Buffalo Bills have never lost a game in this stadium winning by 14 points or more after halftime. That's never happened before Sunday, and it did, right? It, it, we're talking since the mid-60s. Mm. So so something's wrong. Um, it is interesting to hear him say we need to run the ball more. The weather's changing. I mean, was that was his problem with Brian Dayball last season? He called out his offensive coordinator when they lost to the Patriots, and he, he there was something amiss behind the scenes there. And now he's you know making it clear to Ken Dorsey that this is what I want to see as the head coach. Honestly, I kind of agree with. I mean, I feel like you have three good backs and you're winning by 17 points, and you lose that game. Um, so something's wrong there. I mean, there's. That's that's kind of what I was saying. Where you, as a coaching, what like he's not the offensive play caller as the head coach, but you need to enforce that yeah. somehow and say, "Look, hey, this is what I want. Somehow, let's let's get this clock going. We're okay." But I mean, Naeem Hines, you just you traded for him and you're not really using him. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. That's it's interesting how that happens. It, it is tough 
fitting guys in sometimes. You definitely have to have a plan and a vision for those guys. They'll figure it out. One target, one catch, nine yards, no carries. So you know what this means for Hines. I would say, I would say, I think we're going to get a good dose of him coming up. Yeah. I mean, and James Cook looked pretty good when he gets his opportunity. Um, He looks okay to me. His running style, he runs a little upright. mm -hmm. For me. But he looks okay. Singletary really has had a nice. He's you've been talking about him for a couple of years now since we he's he's really worked to improve himself every year. But he he's a good player like we talk about. But he's not a he's not a big difference maker. But he is he's their best, I think. <laughs> he is, you know. I, I think I, I really do. I can see both arguments, right? Where I can see yeah. when you have this big lead, lean into your backs, like just find a way to close out that game because, like we said, historically. This is as bad as it's been blowing a lead in Orchard Park, New York, since the stadium was built. But I could see the argument for pedal to the metal, you know, go as far as Josh Allen takes you when outside of a 21-yard run for Devin Singletary, he gained 26 yards on 12 carries. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what was Ken Dorsey thinking, man, our best chance to win is just leaning on Allen. And letting him run, letting him throw, forcing the ball downfield. That's why I'm kind of coming full circle. I think the key to this offense is that slot receiver because that Cole Beasley-esque slot receiver is basically a run game, right? I mean, when when you're hitting them for six, seven, eight yards a clip and you're moving downfield and you're rhythmic like you were in 2020, like you were Mm -hmm. late in 2021, Mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of your run game. And they don't. They don't have that. I think that they could have that if they began to trust Isaiah McKenzie. Hey, Khalil Shakir has had some moments. Um, yes. Naeem Hines, I mean, that's why you traded for him, his receiving ability, get him in the slot, somehow turn that short passing game into your run game, and don't go for the home run every time. I mean, that's why they lost the game. I mean, he's forcing it downfield when he doesn't have to force it downfield in overtime. He did not need to make that throw at all. So if you have that trust in McKenzie, that trust in Hines, that trust in Shakir, you know, your tight end can be your best friend. If we learned anything from the blood and guts and Ben uh-huh. Coates for Drew Bledsoe and Dallas Clark for Peyton Manning. I mean, the tight, the tight end can be that player. Um, I mean, six, 16 targets to digs. I, I get it. He's your best player out there, but incorporating some of these other players, is probably the way to go. I mean, Davis is the wild card too. He's been pretty inconsistent. When he's on, he's on. But I think somehow leaning into those other complementary players could could go a long way for the offense. Then did we just solve it? I think we just solved everything for the Bills. (laughs) Well, that's (laughs) when you were saying all this. I was thinking basically to sum that up in my head because I was I'm sitting there like you're right, you're right. Basically, they need to find a way maybe to take a little bit off Josh right now is yeah. basically what I took from that. Somehow, whoever it is, can we just, just for right now, until he can get a little bit back to himself with the decision-making, let's take a little pressure off him. Because the fact that he is just running straight ahead <laughs> in overtime is that's their offense. Josh Allen gets the snap and just gives a quick look. It's not there. I'm running. Hard to argue with it too, but you're but right. It it's a lot on him, but but it's a lot on him. Yeah, 
it's a lot on him and it's um as as good as the getting is when he's playing that way. You mentioned Cam Newton earlier. I mean, I think after that 2015 season he had, I mean, just historic statistically, historic. unbelievable what Cam Newton did. Like, I thought I, it was I remember yes. I, I covered that Super Bowl against Denver, and there was no doubt in my mind that he would just uh, obliterate the Broncos. I, I didn't care what Wade Phillips cooked up or that they had to keep to leave and Demarcus Ware and Von Miller and you know TJ were all these bad. I, I, he was that good that season. I'm just looking it up here. They were 15 and one, 3,837 passing yards, um, 35 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, his rushing yards. Let me, let me pull that up. So you just said a key thing. You just said 10 interceptions for the thing. Josh Allen's at nine, right? Josh now. already has 10. He has 10 or 10. Allen already has and, and, and two lost fumbles. And then Cam Newton had 636 rushing yards, 10 rushing touchdowns. And that's how you just win the MVP in a landslide. I'm going to pull up that voting too. Yeah. <laughs> so that season, um, he had 48 votes. Tom Brady had one. Carson Palmer had one. So I think after that season, we all thought like Cam Newton is and it- taking over the sport. And after that game or after that, that season, he just it- started going downhill. Instantly, yeah. he didn't make. He didn't make. Like, forget all pro. He didn't make one more Pro Bowl. No, it fell off quick. You know, he he was done. He felt. I mean, basically, just fell off a cliff. I know they went eleven and five and seventeen, but other than that, I mean, it was he, he was an average quarterback injury, from that point forward. Right after that is when the, those he was never because he does rely on on his running. You know, and once those injuries started, the, hit, up, the hits. Felt, that's the point, right? The hits, it's it's the hits. It's cumulative. It, it adds up. It's not and, one and specific it, knockout blow. It's it's. Yeah. All of the the little hits that add up, and the Bears better pay attention to that because, you know, Fields, what he's doing, you know, he's doing he's trying to do everything, but those hits, that one touchdown run he had, I've never seen a, I don't know if I've seen a quarterback finish on the goal line and and seeing the defenders going backwards, a linebacker, mm. I think it was a linebacker, maybe in safety, but the way Fields is just plowing through guys, those are hits though. Those are collisions that your quarterback is taking, and it wore Cam down. They're yeah, it's and it could wear Josh Allen down too. They've got to be careful. I really thought that they would wait until December to unleash him as a runner. It's we talk about it every time. It's hard to just neuter that from his play style because it is so dangerous. But I think the point with Cam Newton is it it does catch up to you. It just does. How many quarterbacks have lasted? 14, 15 years taking those hits. Have any? Mm, hard to think about. 40, yeah, no, it's hard to think about. Especially even look at Russell Wilson now. I mean, not that he was known for running around, but he doesn't. He can't, He doesn't yeah. move anymore. Hmm. Just something time. to think about. It is. I. It's, it's all stuff to think about. And this is all the, the week 10, all the mids, you know, this next stretch run is – exhausting like these teams are banged up and tired now they haven't even started the the hard part yet this is why when you see teams celebrate in the playoffs when you see teams celebrate a division win you know before after the before the postseason hey we won the division you should celebrate that hard in the locker room after the game and that night because 
it's it's hard. This is these guys work so hard physically and mentally. It's stressful. It's draining. And you're seeing how hard it is. The Bills, we know, are a very good football team, one of the best in the league. And right now they are fighting like they're just trying to get a win right now. I think it really just highlights the reality of a Super Bowl window. When you, when you look at Cam Newton's career trajectory and we all assumed after that 13 second game at Arrowhead, Oh my God, we're going to have Allen versus Mahomes for the next decade minimum. You think that's the case? It's not always the case. I mean, things change in a hurry. And right now the bills have a Super Bowl window open and this is a moment that they have to fight through. They have to figure mm-hmm. it out right mm-hmm. now because you don't know how long Allen is going to be this good. You don't know how long Stefan Diggs is going to be at the top of his game. Von Miller is obviously playing so well right now, but he's 33 and father time could catch up with him. You, you've got a window now. It just, it's, it just shows you like you better take advantage of it. That's why it's about January and February for the Buffalo Bills. And that's why there's legit concern right now. Look at the division. Miami's atop the division. And I tell you what, to a Tyreek Jalen Waddle, I know they got issues on defense. I know, I mean, they're figuring you know, out a run game, by the way. They're getting that together, but well, right that's now in the AMC, yeah. what they have cooking on offense might be better than anything that any team has. I'd still take the Chiefs in the AFC, but. When when two is playing like like he's playing, their defense is they, they, they can beat anybody. That's what we talked about last week for Miami. Like until they can show something on defense, are they a threat to KC or Buffalo? They, they they're actually showing they they showed up a little bit against you know a little bit I thought against Cleveland I thought they made Chubb you know they had to work they weren't dominating the running game like Cleveland usually does and that's a good sign for Miami. So that's a small that's another step in the right direction for Miami to build that defense because the offense that coach is Mike McDaniel man. That Well when you jump on a team 17 nothing at halftime like 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 Buffalo did to Green Bay go go ahead and run the ball all you want. It does your run defense doesn't it doesn't really matter if you get up yards. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And I mean, Bradley Chubb, he had three quarterback hits when you're he looked good. facing Jacoby Brissett. That's pretty good <laughs> when you know they're wow. going to run the ball a lot. Yeah. Four, they had 14 quarterback hits as a team. Um, wow. I so, actually still think that Cleveland – in fact, that, I keep saying that, and I don't, like, I don't like talking about Cleveland, but if they are a quarterback away from being a dangerous football team. <laughs> the Bills are, are fortunate they're catching the – the last game of pre Deshaun Watson, probably right. I mean, good point. That's a good they point. Should, they should take care of business against Cleveland and Detroit on Thanksgiving. In theory, are you worried at all about those two games? If you're the Bills, no. Uh, you, you got, well, no. Unless you something. I, to me, that's where something crazy, special teams, turn whatever football, how football is. That's how you lose those games. But you, there's no such thing as an easy game. Especially for Buffalo right now, they got to just—they just got to get a win, calm down. It's amazing what that win will do for you in the building for the team. It's—you can lose two or three in a row. You think the world's over, and then you get that win. You get that win that you're trying to get, stop the bleeding, and it—it seriously does change. It just gives everybody a chance to breathe again. 
because you the do Los you start Angeles feeling... Rams did not win a game in the month of November last year, and they won the Super Bowl. It's about peaking in December. I can't stress enough that year we won the Super Bowl when I was working for the Saints and we lost our last three games of that year. Now we were thirteen and zero. That was the difference. Right. You just com- completely took my point. It just got and, a little. Uh, it got a little threw it in the yeah. ditch, Jim. Didn't you? It just, it's just funny. I just don't know if there's any, like, I, that's why I'm just, I don't know if there's yeah. a right answer other than just get healthy and, and hope it goes your way because it's football is insane. Yeah. I think Tony Dungy put it perfect. I think it was Dungy back when they won that Super Bowl and in 06, you think of all those great Colt teams that, that fell short and that team is the one that won a Super Bowl and they are, their, their defense stunk. A lot of the year, I think like Jacksonville ran for almost like 300 yards on him late in the season at one point. Um, but as Dungey said, it's about being hot and healthy at the right uh, time. And they uh, got hot and healthy at the right time, right into the season. And the Bills can get to that point. If anybody can get to that point, hey, I mean, anybody, you can go right down the list in the AFC, Miami, Cincinnati, That's Baltimore, Baltimore, Kansas City, the Chargers. I mean, who, any of these teams could be that team that just gets turns that corner at the right time. So, you know, Buffalo needs to, you know, sit down and, you know, examine themselves. You'd rather do it in mid November, I suppose. Long season, but this is good drama right now for us in the meet for the media talking. This is good drama. There's a, I, I did get a chuckle. I mean, granted we're, surrounded by it here in Western New York, like the, you know, I think there's a whole generation of Bills fans now that the kids, all they know is success and, and winning, which is crazy. I mean, because I grew up in the drought and um, yeah, I think it's, it's weird for people to see a lot of people to see this unit right. struggle, but this is normal. I mean, this, yeah, every, this every good team goes, goes through teams. a period like this. Um, and I think we've compared this team a lot to, those um 96 Packers, right? I mean, they went in as a Super Bowl favorite. They're on yeah. the cover of Sports Illustrated. Favre literally used the word Super Bowl or bust when he gets out of rehab for his addiction to Viking. Vic- like, the expectations into that season were so similar to the 2022 Bills. And that 96 Packers team, if I remember correctly, I mean, they were just besieged by injuries. Like, Antonio Freeman broke his arm. He missed a chunk of the season. Robert Brooks tore his ACL. Edgar Bennett wrecked his knee. Um, there was a point where they they were down to like BB and Desmond Howard at receiver and Terry Mickens, and they lost at Kansas City. They lost at Dallas, which they always lost to Dallas. But to your point, I want to say they played at the St. Louis Rams, and like Doug Evans had a pick six. Favre had a crazy touchdown pass to Dorsey Levens. It, it was the Rams. The Rams, Tony Banks, they weren't very good that year. But the Packers won 24-9. They got some of their confidence back and that I think Ron Wolf has said repeatedly, like that was the turning point for our team. Like we needed to kind of fight through a rough patch. They got a little healthier. They get Freeman back. He's playing, playing with a cast on his arm. It was incredible. Um, But the the bills are kind of going through that moment. Almost the exact same point of the season. I want to say that was like mid November for the Packers too. Yeah. So they get Poyer back. If they get, you know, Rousseau back, if they, can figure out whatever they have to on offense. That's the difference, right? Green Bay's banged up on offense. 
Buffalo isn't hurt on offense outside of the elbow. Uh, you know, there's, there's time. And that, that, maybe that game is Cleveland. Maybe, maybe Thanksgiving at, at Detroit. They, it, it can go one of two directions, right? They can get right against these teams. But if you lose to the Browns or you, you lose to Dan Campbell's, you know, knee, knee biting crew out there in Detroit, then it's major, then it's major panic mode, probably, right? Yeah, because, well, it would be based on, at that point, if that happens, now we have to look at what's going on in the division. <laughs> what else is happening? Because if you're talking about that, yeah, they, I mean, they could be in jeopardy of, I would, I mean, which we never would have thought I wouldn't have, that they would not make the playoffs. That would be hard for me to even, that would be the extreme on the other end of it. I don't see it. I'm okay with it. I'm still okay. I still believe long season. I still think KC's making life look, KC's making things look easy. Um, And it's not, they're, they're just that good. It's he, interesting. He's your MVP doing what he's doing without Tyreek Hill. I mean, I don't even think it's close. Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, because look how good Hill is. Look what Hill has done for that offense in Miami. You know, he's unstoppable. And KC just lost an unstoppable player, and they haven't skipped a beat. Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scandling, Sky Moore, Katerius Tony. That's what they just brought. What's good? But that's the Mahomes effect, isn't it? Like that's why Mahomes. Is special. Yep. Yep. He is. All right, Jim. Yep. All right, you get good. back down there to that blackjack table and uh, have some Vegas. success, will you? It's a work trip, Tyler. I don't have time for this. This is a work trip. Hey, underrated movie, Vegas Vacation. You know, I know I would, it got hit hard on Rotten Tomatoes. Great movie. Great Greatest movie. Line. It's one of my favorite lines from every movie. Chevy Chase looked at his family and said he thought today would be a good day. Everybody has a lone day. Everybody does your own. Everybody do your own thing today. He said, okay, all right, have fun. And he just sprinted right to the blackjack table. But he called it a lone day. He's like, today will be a lone day. (laughs) There are so many classic lines in that movie. I love Cousin Eddie at the buffet. You know, when they're, give me some of the yellow and the blue. And he he goes, Clark, it's all you can eat. You only need one plate. (laughs) He's looking at Clark like, you're going through through my wheelhouse. I'm a big Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase, those those movies are yeah vacations are special hey real quick though i wanted to let you know i know i texted you yesterday but i'm enjoying your book so much on my flight to vegas yesterday i got to i'm really enjoying the um you know the ditkos that that for those first couple chapters with with the old school tight ends man because i don't think those all you know i don't know a lot about those stories and you brought out some good stuff i I just can't i don't know i'm enjoying it I, i can't wait to see these modern guys to see it transform I like how you did that, though, how it's kind of working its way to the. Yeah, I appreciate that, Jim. Thanks so yeah. much for for diving in. And um, hell, it was awesome. I, mean, I know yeah. we've said it repeatedly on here, but it, I just kept picturing you sitting in St. Louis with, with at, at that. you know, Jackie Smith. Yeah. Like that had to be. It was you. like sitting with my grandfather, Huey Dunn. It really was. It, I mean, one of the just most genuine human beings that you'll meet Jackie Smith in, in, in 82 where you can see how one moment, the one fleeting moment in time, like 5.5 seconds, I know. just psychologically how do you come back? Left, left bruises that, that took decades to, to really repair. I yeah. Mean, 
you brought it that affected out. him in a profound yeah. way where he doesn't regret anything. I mean, he still looks back as a, at that year with the Cowboys at age 38, you know, when he, he should have retired. I mean, he, he risked paralysis with the neck injury he had and the Cowboy team doctor just kind of, you know, rushes him through his physical because he had to get cattle off to auction, which is crazy. Uh, but he looks back at it fondly. Like he loved Tom Landry. He loved the Cowboys. He caught a touchdown in the divisional game, I believe against the Falcons where that was huge. Um, but one play, one moment that, you know, wasn't even all on Jackie Smith to, I think the, the, I think we call that chapter the mindset because to, to work through that psychologically to set the course for the position in so many ways. So that, yeah, I think, thanks for pointing that out. That was, cool, you know, a lot of, a lot of memorable conversations and memorable trips. And I mean, my God, you're throwing drinks back with Shockey or hanging out with Tony Gonzalez and inside Ben Coates' home where he's, you know, beat, beat to shit and just lit the reliving the injuries and the pain with a dip in his mouth. There some moments I'll never forget, but I think that one with Jackie Smith is right up there for sure. That's what's cool that you were able to actually, that's what I was thinking about when I was reading this. It's like, you were actually with these guys. This wasn't a phone call. Some, you know, this, yeah. I, cause there is a, you know, I, obviously that's what you, but that in person, you can't put a value on that. You can't. I totally agree. Like even whether it's the blood and guts, I wanted to make sure I was face to face with these tight ends, not just research based or phone call based, like be there if you care. As my dad used to always say, <laughs> you have to, you got, you got to be face to face. Try to do the same thing and go along. Right. I mean, got this Tua Tunga Viola story coming Friday and Hey, you got to get down there to South Florida. You got to talk to the people who know Tua best face-to-face it's not something you can just do on a zoom or on a phone call so no um, appreciate that and hey also we'll have the details um go along td.com but we're gonna have two in-person book bashes so the good folks at fatty nick chris they're gonna open up their doors the sunday after black friday so we're gonna have uh hang out there so coming out, we'll, we'll have some books to sell, to sign. Would love to have you there hanging out with us. And then I believe the following week after that, um, Mr.'s Bar and Lanes are going to have us in the afternoon. So we'll have the dates and times at the site, but would be great to meet people who are local here in Western New York, want to hang out, it's... talk about the tight ends, sign you a book. Hey, also Christmas is around the corner. So I was just going to say, Tyler, stocking yeah, you, stuffer. You... You guys know what you know what you're doing by putting this out. Good time of year, because <laughs> it is. I was thinking it the whole time. I was thinking, no, this is perfect. Like I, I'm already thinking about who I can get this for. Beautiful. Hey, I've got books, so you let me know, Jim. We'll load you up. Do do it the right way. You worked hard. You worked hard on that. Oh, thank you so much, man. And thank you, everybody out there, for reading. I've heard from a lot of people listening to the the audio book as well, Kindle, hardcover, wherever, however. Uh, unbelievably appreciative because hey, I don't exist at this point without your support. You know, I'm not, I, I never want to work. Honestly, Jim, I don't know if I said this. I don't want to work for a corporation again. You know, I go long is going to work long-term. This podcast is going to work long-term, write more books because I just believe that people want to learn and want to read and that they'll, they're willing to support it. So it's it's real and it's there. And, and when I launched this all back in November of 2020, I, I honestly wasn't sure. I was I didn't know people want to pay for uh, stuff and support. Journalism, uh, we were sitting, they do. Uh, so I'm I'm, Tyler, I'm lucky. Uh, I don't take it for granted. 
our very first podcast, we were sitting in your house. I mean, we've come a long way just in that. Yeah. Just think about where, like right now, we're, you know, I'm in Vegas, you're at a coffee shop. I mean, we're still doing it. So it's, it's you've done oh, yeah. something right. I love it. I love it, man. All right. Well, hey, well, let's, uh, we'll get this pot up and we'll make this happen in person when you're back on the East Coast, Jim. Have fun out there. Don't have too much fun, though. I want to have you back in one piece. My bank account needs to be in one piece. (sighs) Thanks, everyone.